Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Mere Disciple podcast. My name is Pastor Jeff Strong, and I'm broadcasting out of Nelson, British Columbia. And this is a podcast for those who are interested in learning what it looks like to follow Jesus in the modern world. And today I have an interview with a friend, uh, Tom Greentree. And Tom is all the way out in, where are, you, where are you right now, Tom, in the digital landscape? Oh, in the digital landscape, I'm everywhere. But I'm, in, I'm living in Canyon. Yeah, Canyon, BC. Where are you? Yeah, Canyon, BC, which is, uh, I would say, a suburb, but not a suburb. It's like a little orchard area just outside. It's in the Creston Valley, so okay. southeastern British Columbia. Not nice. far from Nelson. Yep. Uh, Tom is a pastoral colleague that's a part of the Evangelical Covenant Church, the denomination that I'm a part of, that our church is a part of. Tom, before I start the interview, can you just kind of share with us your background, uh, anything that you think might be pertinent in, ter in terms of maybe a little bit about your faith journey, your movement into pastoral ministry, kind of who is it? Give us a snapshot of who you are and what are things that are really important to you. Sure. Well, thanks for having me on the podcast, Jeff. This is great. I, I'm a listener and uh, just privileged to be here. So thanks for the invitation. I um, was raised in Northern Alberta on a farm. So I am very much a, a farm kid. And um, my dad uh, worked outside the farm whenever there wasn't farm work to do. But we were raised riding horses and on a, you know, we farmed about 500 acres of grain. And so I, I had the experience growing up in a very very great home, uh, a Christian family. They had come to faith or back to faith perhaps when I was very young. And so I was raised in a, in a home that was, was trying to follow Jesus the best way they knew how hmm. and was involved in church and then eventually in a Christian school. And so I was raised a pretty, actually a pretty sheltered life, to be honest with you. But in my teenage years, I got into um, cross-cultural missions, spending my, not just a, a week or 10 days, but spending my whole summers uh, overseas doing work projects and uh, connecting um, in various places, which was a really formative experience for me because I was raised in this little rural, uh, you know, backwater. And so to experience uh, the world, uh, it was a really formative for me. Um, when I was in about my mid-teens, mid um, I was a very dedicated, fervent follower of Jesus. As a young man, I felt a very distinct uh, call, I guess, to to really give my life to to the work of Jesus. And I didn't really know what that meant. I thought it meant sort of classic missionary stuff or going over to some tribal village somewhere. Um, as it turned out, as I pursued further education, it, it became clear that where uh, God wanted me was, was here in the Canadian context, serving his church, serving the church. And particularly from, from day one, I would say, really eager to connect with people across lines and connect with people who uh, maybe are exploring faith or of a different faith or are just wondering. So I love uh, connecting with people who are asking questions and, and having good conversations with people, yes, about Jesus, but about faith, about life, mm -hmm. um, wherever they're at. So that was always a passion for me. It led me to work formally in church settings or in parachurch settings, which is organizations that exist kind of alongside the church. So I spent a decade in a church up in Grand Prairie, um, during that time, I pursued some graduate study through Regent College, which was really formative for me. Um, then I went and worked with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, which is like a, like a mission organization to work with university students in Canada. I did that for six years and then, um, and then launched 
um, into this pastoral work now. I've been up here in the Creston Valley at the Erickson Covenant Church for nine years as well. Hmm. Um, but I, I, we, we moved here with a desire for a greater integration of our faith with creation care, uh, with the land, which is a bit of a returning to my roots, I suppose. Uh, but my wife and I uh, and our, our two boys, we, we came out to the Creston Valley. Uh, we bought a little farm. And not only do I work as a pastor, but I have a little, a little uh, I say working farm, but it's a hobby farm, a mixed farm. I, I, raise, I raise animals, you know, uh, pork and chicken and beef and, and uh, uh, some sheep right now. And, uh, and then some gardens and stuff. So we really enjoy that. It's not just about the good food and the clean air, as it were. We enjoy that. But, but it was, uh, for us, uh, a step toward... Um, Okay, this might be a longer question than you were looking or answering you no. looking for, but just as a, a snippet, um, we really began to see that what it means to be human is to have four relationships kind of integrated, our relationship with God, our relationship with each other, uh, and the relationship with each other is a big category, can cover global politics down to, you know, your relationship with your kids or friend, marriage, um, but a relationship with God, relationship with each other, our relationship with God's creation and then also our own internal relationship with ourselves, those four relationships, which we feel like those are fundamental to what it means to be human and flourish as a human. And when we were sort of working that through and, and thinking that through, um, there was just a recognition in our own lives that this creation piece was like, th there was just not a lot going on there. And how people respond to that can be different. People really get into hiking or really work on conservation efforts. And that's awesome. That, there's so many different ways that we can approach that relationship. For us personally, we felt like a real need to be connected more personally with our, as it were, our own piece of land. And mm -hmm. we recognize that that's not an option for lots of people because of work or economics. Um, it just worked out that we were able to do that. And we're thankful for that. So getting our hands in the dirt and having that integrated with our faith in Christ and our love of neighbor and raising of our kids and, and, um, and just, yeah, uh, working on those four relationships and seeing them integrated was a real important part in our journey for us. And, and uh, we're learning a lot through that. So moving here, was, was part of that movement of greater discipleship in terms of earth care, but it was also a move back into pastoral work, which was a real passion, and, uh, and, and that's where I'm at now. So I, like you, Jeff, I'm happy to be part of the Evangelical uh, Covenant Church. I was just ordained last year, and uh, really feel like I found my, my, my tribe and my family in mm -hmm. terms of, of, of that, but also here in this valley too. Just love it. That's awesome. Yeah, one of the things that you do that I think is really fun that <clears throat> you've started is um, your little worship sets out in the field with your animals and your guitar. <laughs> I think that's really fun. Right after I, after we're done uh, chatting, that's my next thing. Literally, I'm walking out there to sing with a goat, and and he's been the real hit. You know, I mean, oh, people totally. are like, "Wow, we like your songs," but. The goat, man, the goat. Yeah, can you start an I, I, Instagram account following your goat, Tom? That'd yeah, be great. As long as your dog follows it, yeah. Isn't isn't Rocky? Isn't your dog yeah, Rocky? Rocky. Isn't, doesn't yeah, he have yeah. his own IG account? Yeah. So I know, I yeah, keep bugging me. I'm, I'm trying to say no. I feel like there's enough um, digital tentacles, uh, you know, grasping oh. me in different directions. I, I, I gotta. 
got to cap it at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lloyd's somewhat resistant to, he feels like, you know, if I show up for your song, it's good enough. So anyway, <laughs> Lloyd's the goat, by the way. So yes. um, As a pastor, I know this, you know this, people would likely presume this, that we are, um, we are sort of midwives to the process of change. We are often working um, alongside and discipling uh, and coaching people on who want to change or who need to change or in the process of trying to change and it's not working. And that gets um, tied in with all these different elements to, you know, there might be physical challenges, could be spiritual challenges. Uh, I think this current situation where we're self-isolating and our, the, the landscape of um, our lives has shifted so dramatically over the last six or seven weeks that change is not only inevitable, but we need to be um, thinking one step ahead in terms of how do we change and grow through this in a way that is actually constructive and healthy mm -hmm. and helpful, because we're going to change. This is going to form us one way or the other. What are, uh, just as a opening question, what are some patterns or principles of change or practices of change that you've kind of um, been realizing this maybe needs to come to the forefront more for you or for the people that you're leading so that we're moving into uh, change that is healthy, change that is actually leading to growth across maybe some of those levels that you talked about. What are you kind of hearing and experiencing that on those levels? Well, you know, it's such a temptation to live our lives just by default, right? In reactionary mode to what's happening. And of course, I think we all have been in, in fairness, reaction mode to what's been going on. I mean, hello, uh, we are all scrambling in that sense. And yeah. I, I think it's been powerful because it, it is, I mean, uh, lots of ways. And there'll be a ton of, uh, you know, reflection and debrief on this whole experience and what we've learned through it. But what I've noticed is it can really reveal um, if we're open to it, it can reveal certain um, patterns or practices or, or lack in, in our own lives, and not in a way that makes, you know, heaps on guilt or shame or anything like that, but just it, it, can, it, can, it can surface things in our own heart and mind that we weren't aware of because we were pretty distracted or pretty busy. Yeah. And so there's an opportunity there to like sort of step back and go, oh, like now that I don't have all these things going on, what what's rushing in to fill the void or what what am i where, where what are my go-to addictions for example or mm -hmm. what am i what fears are surfacing or you know like how am i scrambling how am i reacting uh, what i've noticed and this is a larger this is a larger thing not just in the last um you know couple months but what i've noticed is that um paying attention to the habits that are forming our lives is is critical and so when something like this has happened, it can really highlight, um, oh, that's been a habit that I maybe wasn't even aware of, like how, how I responded to stress, for example. But now because there's so much more stress and I maybe have more discretionary time, I've noticed that, oh, wow, that's a real habit. So, I mean, the joke but it, it can be a sad reality for lots of people. The joke nowadays is, of course, people that only drank in the evenings now are drinking all day. Right. And you think, oh, okay, yeah, right. Like there'd be an example of like, maybe that was a habit that was 
part of my when I was bored, I drank, I drank, and now I'm, I've got more time, therefore, you know, or whatever, mm-hmm. um, or, or I, I enjoyed a good binge on Netflix, but now I'm binging like way more. And, and it can highlight like, oh, there's this habit I have, or this way of responding um, to stress or to crisis. And, and so by paying attention to that can be really important. Uh, I mentioned habits because um, I think for me personally, but also in my conversations with people across the faith spectrum, across the experience spectrum, is my conversations have shifted from just, you know, where do you want to grow? Um, even goals, what goals do you have for growth? And those are good. Like I, I still periodically will chart out certain goals and think about like, where do I want to grow? Like, what direction do I want to go? But what I've noticed in the last number of years is that my conversations, both personally, but also with others has shifted, not away from goals, but with a much greater emphasis on what habits do I want to instill in my life? Like, what are the daily, weekly rhythms and habits that I want to incorporate? And of course, that's going to be um, that's going to be influenced by maybe a, a, a larger goal, like you know the, the grand goal. I want to be more healthy, and so a lot of the the conventional wisdom would be: you can't make a goal. I want to be more healthy. You've got to be specific, right? You've got to mm-hmm. be measurable and attainable. And I I like that. Like I think smart smart goals are good. Um, but what I've noticed is, um, for me personally, to say. I want to be more healthy and then asking, well, what habits would I, if I incorporated those habits into my daily and weekly life would lead that direction. I've just noticed some real exciting uh, things, both physical, spiritual in my, in um, uh, intellectual growth, like, or or learning, learning goals, um, both in my own life, but also in the conversation with others that by incorporating or thinking about habits, the habits I want to instill, it's actually taken me and taking others in some, in some really awesome directions. So I, Hmm. I, I like that. I think that's really important because in the current landscape, there's going to be some goals that will be easily transferable from the life that was to the life that is. Um, but habits are always transferable. They're, they're adaptable to the context, right? If I had a goal, let's say in my job to say, well, in four months, I'm going to do this many sales and I want to get promoted. That might have, that goal might've made sense in November. Now uh, restructuring the company, maybe you're even laid off. You, that goal is, is gone. And there's nothing to do about that other than try and double down and figure out a new goal. But the reality in the landscape is changing so quickly and so, um, so inconsistent in some ways, so unpredictable. Um, What really becomes important is to say, what are habits that I want to integrate into myself as an employee or in this context so that I can always be moving forward, even if that landscape is, um, isn't uh, holding true to kind of what I'm expecting it to be in one month from now and four months from now. Yeah. I think the, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. And I think that's maybe why, uh, as I think about it, maybe because habits often uh, they're going to be connected to goals, but maybe, maybe they also are more connected to what we might call value. Like, so for example, if I, if I value connectedness in my relationships with my 
work colleagues, just to take up your example. Uh, and now, okay, now the landscape has shifted. I'm not, maybe for some of us, we aren't going to work every day. Others are, of course. But then maybe how, like what habit needs to be in place so that I, that I can still be connected. Right. And, and uh, so the, the context can shift, as you said, but if my value is connectedness, for example, or my value is um, a healthy physical body, or my value is um, I want to be, you know, growing in a certain way, then it's going to ask, well, not so much what are my goals in that area, but what are the regular, somewhat, even sometimes inobtrusive uh, habits that I'm going to make part of my life in such a way that over time, they are, they are the way I do life. They're not even something I'm not, I'm not having to even, the thing about a good habit is it's, it does become more instinctive. Even a habit that um, we at first had to really you know, fight to do it, you know, like we had to really, you know, the old joke about you know, how, how hard it is to instill a good habit, but bad habits are super easy to learn, you know. Uh, but uh, after a while, we want habits that just form the, the, the core of our life, you know, like this is how we do life. And in some ways, it, 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 it's intentional, but it isn't as, it doesn't require the same amount of intentionality as it used to when we instilled it, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so those habits... Um, they can really, they can really carry us. So it, they, it does take, I think, at times a drilling down on like, what are our values or what are even some short-term goals um, that will require a certain habit. Uh, but I think really focusing on habits regularly. So this last year, actually the last couple of years, I think, I love New Year's and I love New Year's goals and resolutions. I'm one of those guys. But this last couple of years, I, I really actually worked on New Year's habits. Like, what habits am I going to instill this year? Mm. Or what habits am I going to focus on? And 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 really, really go after those. And I've just been amazed at over time where that where that takes me personally, but also uh, those those around me. And and the thing about I I I think that um, my tendency with goals is to set them too high and and they're too big and, and when i was i was thinking about this i was thinking you know the old BHAG, big hairy audacious goals, goals yeah which i do think have a place and i think it, there's a good place for a stretch goal you know um a, a goal that says i'm gonna reach for that and because i'm reaching for that it requires more out of me now like i think there's real value in that but what I noticed is I have a tendency to, to set up a, a BHAG in about 17 different areas of my life. And it's just impossible. Like I, I can't do that. I can't mm. be that. And I, I, so because I have a tendency to overreach, then I'll end up underperforming, you know, in that sense. And, and, and I'll end up just not, I'll end up spinning my wheels or feeling paralyzed and so the last couple of years, what I started doing is instead of a BHAG, I might have a direction I want to head. I might even have some things I want to attain. But instead, I actually think, well, what's, what's the habit that's needed? And then what's the small habit that if I incorporated this regularly, I could grow it? So a simple example, people are doing this all the time. Simple example, my son and I said, okay, let's start doing push-ups. And then... Let's just add one push-up 
every other day. Like that's it. And so we do, we started with, I don't know what it was, 15 or 20 push-ups, ground them out. And then we took a day off. And then the following day, we just pushed out one more. And, mm. and, and the thing, I use push-ups as an example because you can, anyone, well, you know, wherever you're at physically, but you can start by doing push-ups in just a moment. Like it's actually takes so very little time from your life. You can literally get up from, well, you get up from your computer, get up from your couch, get down on the ground, push out five push-ups and, and get up and keep going. And it, and the man, and the amount of time it took out of your day was extremely small. Mm-hmm. And so taking a, a habit, making it very small with a view to how could I very slowly increase it? Um, what I've been surprised by, and that principle has worked in lots of different areas, is that by doing that, it has led over time to very significant things um, that I think, for me, outstripped what would have happened if I'd have had that as my original goal. Like, mm-hmm. so I want to have, uh, you know, I want to, whatever, I want to be able to do 100 push-ups in a day. Well, if that had been the goal, maybe I would have then worked toward it. But what I found out that I think a lot of people would just be, well, I could never do that. So then they don't. Whereas, well, anyone virtually can do two push-ups, three push-ups. And, and so how do you just start where you're at and, and then grow from there? And I think whether you're thinking about, you know, people who are wanting to learn how to pray or maybe they're wanting to, to incorporate some reading of 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 maybe regular reading of anything you know but they're not much of a reader how do you how do you just start really small and look at slowly increasing it but with intentionality and i've just been blown away by the growth that can happen from that Hmm. um that kind of incremental approach is do do you do you perceive in the people that you uh, lead that the biggest stumbling block to avoiding that incremental approach is the burnout that comes from setting the really big goal, trying it for a day or two, and then being like, this is way over my head, or the impatience of, I totally hear what you're saying, Tom. I love it. One push-up a day, and then a week goes by, and they've only added one or two push-ups, and they're like, I just can't hang with this. Um, and or, or maybe they do it for a week, and they're like, I, I, I don't want to invest the next five or six months and get into a hundred. I'm going to try and I, I'm, I'm doubling. I'm going, I'm going for it now. And then again, same thing, the kind of burnout, like, is it an impatience thing? Is it kind of an all or nothing mentality that you encounter a lot where people are like, no, if I'm going to do this, man, I'm going to get in mar- marathon shape in the next month. Right. I think, well, you know what? I honestly think that that probably is affected by our personality and our experience so that there are some people that, um, the big, the big goal, the big push. I don't know if you're familiar with Scott Young out of Vancouver, but he features uh, ultra learning, where you take on a massive project in a very contained amount of time, and you really do push it hard. And uh, I think there's people that that's the right thing for them. And mm. and I still think the habits is going to be the key to that. Um, so I actually think, to, for me personally, what I'm in conversation with people, but I'm also recognizing my own uh, biases. There's times when the big push, the big project. So when I wrote my book, for example, I I wrote it in, 
I wrote, wrote it. I mean, rough drafted it in 30 days. Hmm. So that was a super intense, super focused project that I just burned on. Uh, but at other times in that same year, I couldn't do that. So I think that um, for me, probably two things to that. One would be different personalities. Sometimes different people are more attracted to the incrementalism and some more attracted to the big push. I think the second thing would be seasons of life that if we focus on habits, they will carry us through seasons of life where we aren't as motivated um, as we, because there are seasons where we are more motivated. Mm -hmm. And, and so what I've noticed in my own life is that when I've instilled good habits. um, So for example, in my relationship with God, in my quote unquote devotional life, um, I've noticed that when I have something not even that big, but some kind of regular practice habit that even through seasons where I'm not feeling overly motivated, that regular practice um, keeps me going. Let me use a physical example. I have a tiny little stretch routine that some I found from some two German guys out of Leipzig um, that uh, I followed I started following, it's like a four minute stretch routine that I do every morning. Uh, or if, if not morning, I do it once a day. And um, I found by incorporating that, I think you could call it a keystone habit. Um, keystone habits being habits that when incorporated have, uh, they have an, a, a, an effect on larger things. They, they, they have a ripple effect. And so what I found is by, uh, so two things. One, I have the stretch routine that I do. When I do that stretch routine regularly, I'll also do other physical exercise regularly. Uh, I notice that it has an effect of reminding me I feel better. Uh, I then do other things. But I also have a, a logbook that sits right on my counter where I can see it. I walk past it. That logbook is open, and I, I log what I do physically analog you know like i actually write this down i uh, analog what i do physically and when I, I start by saying i do this this little stretch routine um and then i'll put uh, the other things i do that day that tiny little habit of this the four minute stretch routine and then writing it down has had a tremendous effect on me also doing other physical habits like other habits mm. and I, I can see that so um i might Somebody asked me the day if I have a certain goal because uh, I picked up running a few months ago. And I'm like, no, I actually haven't set any goals. Like, I don't, I don't even, even want to say it out loud to myself or anyone else how many goals I even have in a week. I just want to have the regular habit of getting out and running. Yeah. And, 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 and then the, 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 the practice of doing that. And, and then here's the interesting thing to, with running, for example. I know myself. To, enough to know that my tendency would be to overdo it to the point that I'd hurt myself and then not be able to do it. I know that's my tendency. Um, so at certain times, that's my tendency. And so I'm actually following, I think the good advice of, I've read a couple books on running and others that says, be intentional about keeping your growth slow. So run slow, don't increase your mileage by very much like really intentionally grow it slow mm. and your body will thank you for it, you know? And so uh, there's just an example of like 
I, I, I'm instilling a habit. Um, there's times where I think going for something big is helpful, but it's more about the regular practice and then how do I incrementally grow that? Hmm. And when you talk about uh, growth being slow, that obviously has a lot of overlap with spiritual growth or what people would conceive of as um, discipleship, maturation in their faith. Uh, what for what do you either out of personal experience or as a pastor what are those habits if maybe there were christians who were like oh, i have all these goals for my relationship with god and how i want to serve god and what i want to accomplish with god and for god um if you were if you had this really zealous passionate person who's very goal driven in their faith but you were trying to sort of help shift them over into thinking more about habits and rhythms and practices that are woven into everyday life, where would you start with them? What would be the, um, what would be sort of your foundation to say, I think these are going to serve you well, um, irrespective of where God takes you, how God leads you. These are going to be things that you should be pouring your energy into. And what does kind of slow growth in that area, in those areas, what would that look like if you were coaching someone? Yeah, that's a great question. Of course, um, a lot of the answer to that would depend on the person, mm -hmm. um, you know, their experience, what what they've done, um, pain points that they've identified. I do think that there are some basic things that are that need to be a regular part of a Christian life, a Christian's life, or someone who's pursuing the Christian faith. That that. I don't necessarily say that they need to be there every day, but they need to be incorporated in a regular part. So, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a word guy, but not because I just like to read. I do think um, the Holy Scriptures have a significant uh, place and a central place in our relationship with God, because somehow through this story and then through the person of Christ, God has revealed who he is and his desire for us as humans and, and his world. So I do think some kind of regular incorporation of, of, of scripture into our lives is critical. Now, I do want to say to people, there's quite a number of ways we can do that. So depending on a person's personality, maybe they're not readers. I have people in my, in my community who are really, well, functionally illiterate. And so, um, getting them on audio and maybe they're not super techie. There's one fellow I know, I, you know, I scared him up some old CDs of, of the Bible on CD and so he can listen to it on a CD player. And, and um, so there, and now with those of us with obviously phones, the Uversion app has audio and, and just, there's so many ways to access it. So um, I think, but I think incorporating a regular diet of scripture and I think, um, unless there's some real reasons why this doesn't work, I think looking to gradually increase that, not just increase the amount, but increase the ways that we take that in mm. um, is, is important. So reading it, yes. Switching up translations, for sure. Audio, great. Uh, choosing portions to commit to memory, very good. But depending on a person's um, gifts or interests, like... Um, of a woman in my congregation who is an artist and she will take a scripture verse and like do an art journal with it as a way of, of engaging the scripture in a really unique artistic way. People obviously have written music based out of 
what they've experienced or heard or l been learning. And uh, so there's, there's a variety of ways of doing it. So all that to say, I think the word, uh, the scripture has a place of regular in, you know, ingestion, as it were, Psalm 1 kind of thing. The blessing that comes to the people who, who are meditating on God's law day and night. They're like a flourishing tree beside, you know, uh, stream of water. I think that, that that's really true. But I also think, and I go with Dallas Willard on this, I think that solitude and silence are the big, the big pairing that perhaps we're being confronted with right now in a way, although we know that we drown out our silence and we fill up our solitude with, with other things. But Dallas Willard and others, spiritual uh, fathers and mothers all through the centuries have said, unless we regularly incorporate some kind of solitude and silence into our lives, uh, we just aren't going to mature and grow. And there's just things that cannot happen without that. And I think that is very challenging for us. Yeah. I just, I just do. Um, it's very challenging for me um, to, 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 to incorporate that. And I think it's a great example for a lot of us. Now there are some introverts among us. They're like, are you kidding? I love solitude. I love silence, but you know, great. We can learn from you, but, but for a lot of us, um, solitude and silence is kind of scary. And so I think um, whether it, and this may be true also for practice of meditation, I think that, this is a great example where we start small. We say like, what would, it be, what would it look like for me to go and just stand on my front porch for a minute in silence and solitude? Um, and if you're a young mom with kids now at home who should be at school, um, maybe that would be a miracle in and of itself. So mm. you could, you know, but the, the incorporation of solitude and silence as a regular practice has been something that almost all the spiritual greats have said without that certain things just can't happen. So I think solitude sounds and the word um, is, is critical. And then I think past that, um, honestly, there's just so many good spiritual practices and habits that help grow us, but it's very easy at that point to get overwhelmed by all the options. And I, I think, based on our personality, based on our spiritual giftings, based on a circumstance of life, figuring out a couple of healthy, helpful um, practices that are incorporated into our daily lives, but also being open to review those and shift those. So for example, journaling is something that people have found very helpful, but, but it's not for everybody. And for me personally, I've found journaling very helpful for seasons of time. And then other times I don't do it. Mm. Um, sometimes the type of journal shifts. So whatever. But I think um, solitude sounds in the word. And then from that, figuring out like, what's my most, I think it was a, a few years ago, someone wrote a book, and now I can't remember the title, maybe invitation to a journey or something like that. Um, but they talked about how different pathways work for different people. So for some people, for example, getting out in creation, doing a, a nature walk is, is like the way they connect with God, like yeah. they just that's what makes their hearts sing. For others, it's putting on worship music and just blasting it through the house. And for others, it's reading a really deep, meaty theological book. And, and for others, it is extended prayer times with a few friends. You know, the reality is those are all good things. And probably at some point, maybe all of us should experience those things. But what this author encourages, like, if there's a particular pathway that really 
uh, really resonates with you, make sure that that's part of your life. Make sure that that's there. So if, if getting out in nature really makes your heart sing, like you need to be doing that. Mm. Um, it doesn't mean that other things you shouldn't grow in, but make sure that the right things, uh, those, those helpful things are being incorporated into your life because you could really shrivel and die without it. Mm. And I think that just recognizes that, you know, we don't need to compare ourselves with others. Like I know people who read copious amounts of scripture on a, on a daily basis. Um, and then others would look at that and go, well, I can't, I can't do that. So therefore I can't. And it's like, no, you don't need to do that. You, you be you. Um, but let's just ask what habits could I incorporate small habits that could grow over time. And I think you'll be golden. You reflected that it's really hard for us. You're, I think, speaking generally to sort of abide and hold space for solitude and silence. Why is that hard for people in your experience? Well, I think a couple of things. One is I do think we're in a very loud culture. Um, and so loud being uh, we've, we've always got something coming in. And I've been very, like, this has been a learning curve for me. Like I... I have had a tendency to drown out any moment of silence with another podcast or music or something. And so um, I think that what I had to recognize is that there was a sense in myself where I was avoiding the silence because I either was afraid of what I would hear or wouldn't hear, or I was just, I would feel an anxiousness at the, the silence. And, and I think we're in a very obviously digital, digitally loud world, but we're also just constantly inundated by information. And we become, I think, somewhat addicted to it, distracted by it. And so the practice of, of silence and solitude, those usually go together, but not always, but silence helps us um, lift our heads out. And I think everything I've, heard from people who've talked about, you know, encouraging others in the practice of, for example, meditation have said like, or solitude silence is the first while trying that it's, it's actually like a, a real fight because you have this just almost a, a, a flood in of nervousness or anxiety or thoughts. And I think it's because we are so used to uh, input, um, but we're not used to um, listening we're not used to quiet um again that's not true of everybody obviously there's some people who did this really well um and and some people who have more natural bias toward that or more natural gifting toward that but for a lot of us um we are we are very used to it and then um maybe addicted to it and then i already alluded to this but i think the second part is that we we are not used to being alone with ourselves um let alone um alone with God or alone with creation. And so um, having to practice being alone, being quiet, it, it's very against our habit, against our grain. And I think for some of us, it, it, it's a fearful thing. And, and, you know, during this isolation time, I, I'm not confident that, and I say this to myself as well, I'm not confident that we've all suddenly got all this time in silence and solitude. I actually think that um, we've mostly done our best uh, to, and I don't mean this critically even, I just more 
what's reality? I think reality is we've, we've tried to fill the void with certain things. And I think there's an invitation in there for all of us to step back and say, oh, look at that. Um, is there something else I could, is there another way I could be responding to this? And uh, invitation into solitude and silence, again, starting small, I think is, is there sort of waiting for us. And uh, all the great mystics uh, across traditions, so not just in the Christian tradition, have, have we've all, you can't um, go anywhere without knowing that somehow being alone with yourself, being quiet is critical to spiritual growth. It's critical to just the growth of us personally as people. And I think it's because we were not meant to be always um, inundated with outside voice. We've got to also listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, our own inner voice. And uh, that takes a lot of practice. I think particularly sharp today. Mm. Thanks for those reflections. That's really good. In the current uh, situation where we are isolated, where you are, you're helping people who find themselves in that situation. Um, what are things that you're finding that are working? What are things that, um, you know, to use the language of like, what's, what's kind of stalling you out? What are things that either early on in this pandemic, you kind of realized, Oh, this, this has got to immediately change. This is not, going to be fruitful in my life at all or you've heard from other people so kind of like what's working uh, what are people finding fruitful and helpful in terms of area of attention and um, again trying to facilitate constructive change and growth in their lives and, and yeah. where are people getting stuck yeah well I think in in fairness of course all of us and I certainly felt this for the first few weeks uh, in particular I just felt a, a sort of a level of frantic um, because um, it wasn't just that my physical environment had changed I chose to stay home and work from home um, that wasn't so odd I think for me it was more like what do I do now um, related a lot of it was related to my work with the church like what do I do? How do I help people stay connected? What's my responsibility? What's not? And what's going on, you know? And so for me, it was important to just acknowledge that, like acknowledge the level of angst and sort of franticness. Um, also to recognize that we're all experiencing this differently. And so some people, it seemed like it was very hardly a blip on the screen. And then others, it was like dramatic. And so being, and I think I was probably honestly, more toward the calmer side. Um, so then having to remember that for some people, this is a real upset. Mm. And, uh, and so how to, how to grow in that. But for me, I think it, it, and I hate to be a broken record here, Jeff, but for me, at what it highlighted was, was our, our go-to habits. Like it highlighted what are the things I went to when I was bored, when I was alone, when I was tired, when I was feeling anxious, what were those things? Because when we had places to drive our kids and we had meetings to go to and we had work, work expectations and visiting with friends, the amount of time in the schedule, as it were, for some of those normal things, 
and not all of them were like unhealthy. I don't mean that even that way, but just what were my go-to things? Well, there was just a less time for that. And I think when all of a sudden, like none of our evening commitments are there, all of a sudden for some of us, we're laid off, we're at home, or we're just working from home now. Uh, for some of us, significant parts of our work were set to the side. All of a sudden, uh, I think it, it's a beautiful opportunity like it, to take almost like a take stock, like, oh, what am I, what am I, what am I doing right now? Like, like if I was scrolling through Facebook every, every moment I had a chance to before, and now I'm scrolling through it like that much more, which maybe because of my anxiety, I'm like constantly doing it or whatever. Um, it, it, it actually was this great opportunity for people to say, what, what are the things that are making up my life? And, you know, um, yeah, what are, what are my go-to things? Because while I do think there's a tendency, some people were, you know, you see the jokes around like, how are you making use of your quarantine by, or isolation by learning all this stuff and doing, and, and, and again, that can get us back to like overreach. And mm-hmm. then some people just feel paralyzed or feel, but I do think helpfully we can say, Oh, look at that. Like, huh. I am now spending all this time doing X, Y, and Z. And do I want to do that? Is that unveiled? So I, I've had conversations with people. This was particularly around anxiety related to what was happening in the earlier days of COVID-19. Encourage people to actually like offload Facebook off of their phone and actually only like discipline themselves only to check it a couple times a day because they, it was a source of tremendous um, addictive and addictive behavior, but also anxiety inducing behavior Mm. because they were just doing more and more and more of it. And so um, when there is this kind of shift and in, in our lives, I think it can have uh, a a tremendous um, unveiling effect. Like we can see things more for what they are. And I think in, in some of our areas of, of our habits and rhythms, it really could, if we're aware of it, if, if we're willing to ask the question, we can ask, oh, what, what, how, how did I snack when I was at home? Or what were my reading habits? Or maybe I don't have any of those habits at all. Um, it just can, can be like a reality check for us if we're willing. And I, what I love about any conversation about any area of growth is let's just be honest. Like, let's actually talk about true reality here and and if we can get a true honest picture of where we are and not feel guilty about that like just like let's just put aside for a moment the the guilt and shame and oh i feel so bad and i know i should be whatever okay whatever how are you really like where are you at really let's get a baseline and then and then talk about What's, what's a couple small changes you'd like to make? Um, then I think you can begin to see um, people experience change and growth, mm. all depending on where they're at, all depending on their personality and struggles. And um, I'm, all, I'm constantly inspired, and, and I know you are too, constantly inspired by people who have overcome incredible obstacles. You know, um, you know an obvious one, so in the, in the last uh, 14, 15 months, um, I did lose a bunch of weight. And I, 
I lost it with small incremental uh, intermittent, intermittent fasting and, and then incorporating some very small exercises into my life. And I lost like 50 pounds very slowly, very slowly. Yeah. But I tell you, one of the things, and I, and not, you know, I wasn't like morbidly obese, but I was overweight for sure. Um, but I tell you, watching people, I'm on this certain Facebook site, uh, where watching people who have overcome incredible odds, who have who've overcome the obstacle of, of, of a lot of, of, of weight and watching them experience victory and change and growth and health in their lives, just one small step at a time, that so inspires me. And, and I look at that and I think, that's awesome. As, as they have got a vision for good health and they've made very intentional changes. Some of those changes are big, but some of them are actually really tiny changes that are leading them in healthy ways. And I think um, in our own um, spiritual lives, when we think, well, this is where I'm at. I read my Bible every couple of weeks, or I've never read my Bible through, or I talk a lot about prayer, but I don't pray at all. You know, whatever it is, be honest. God knows it doesn't matter. Just be honest. This is where I'm at. And then say, what would it look like to make one small step in the right direction and to do it, do that thing for three weeks? What would it look like? Mm -hmm. um, and just say, let's, let's do that. Set the bar. I like to say, set the bar so small that it almost feels like a joke jumping over it mm -hmm. uh, because it's better to do that. And then, and then see steps, see steps, you know, uh, forward than it is to set the bar so high that after the third day, I'm just, I don't have the energy to get up off the couch and, and try it, you know? So I think those small wins are really important in a, for lack of a better term, in regular time and regular life. But in a season like this, where um, I think those kinds of wins are harder to come by and mm -hmm. it feels like there's so much chaos swirling at a personal level interior, exterior, job, personal life, family, that it becomes even more critical to say, I'm going to walk one kilometer today. I'm yeah. not going to start by trying to run three or four. I'm just going to walk one. Yeah. And you do it, and it's like, well, I probably could have done more. But at the same time, it's like, that's a win. Yeah. So I think that incremental approach is even more important in a yeah. context where we're experiencing all these small and maybe even large losses, you don't want to heap <laughs> another yeah. sense of, well, things are falling apart in this area and I can't even run yeah. for three kilometers. Like right. I'm a right. hopeless case, right? Like I think that's really important to be gracious to yourself and to build that momentum. I mean, that, that's what my wife and I have done. We just kind of started um, running together in the morning, but um, to your point before recognizing if we go hot out of the gate and try and say, Hey, let's, let's at least start with three or four K run. Like mm -hmm. we're, we're fit ish. We can probably handle that. No problem, but we don't run a lot. Mm -hmm. And what we really, I think made a good decision early on was to say, let's just like do one of these couch to 5k programs. And yep. if first day or, you know, your total mileage you're going is like 2.5 K, but you know, more than half of that is walking. And yeah. the first few weeks, it feels kind of silly at times because you're like, yeah. you can totally handle this more. But as we've talked about it, realize, especially for someone like me, I'm a larger guy, mm -hmm. you know, the impact of trying to go too much too soon on knees, hips, every, just acclimatizing your body to it, right? Cali you know, allowing your body to sort of adjust. 
is really, really important. And it's been a great discipline to say, this is what it says to do today. I can totally identify that I could do maybe twice this much fairly yeah. comfortably, but I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to go there. I'm going to come back. I'm going to stretch, you know, maybe we're going to hammer out 30 pushups and integrate some other things, but I want to get that win and I want to build that momentum. And when that starts, instead of a week later feeling like, well, there's another goal that mm -hmm. I've failed at. Mm -hmm. the, the difference between being able to, the difference from seeing that, yeah, admittedly the bar was set pretty low, but I cleared it and I'm clearing yeah. it and I'm clearing it every day and I'm clearing it every week. Yeah. And I can keep stretching myself in a way that is, you know, physically sustainable or maybe in another area, yeah. it's spiritually sustainable or emotionally sustainable. Yeah. Um, I think, I think that's hard for people in those situations is that there just isn't the immediate fruit that yeah. comes from it. Right. The, the, mm -hmm. the, the, the capital R results, it doesn't immediately present as like, Oh, this is just around the corner. So it does take a lot, a lot of discipline and patience to say, yeah, this feels like, again, we're watering the plant, we're tilling the soil, but we don't see any, there's nothing growing, right. at least from our perspective. Right. And then, the, but to really surrender into the process, and this is where faith and trust comes in to say, you know, trust the process. And, but th that's usually where I get tripped up too, is, is yeah. trying to do something for a bit, but then after a week or after a month, the capital R results aren't in my uh, immediate, um, don't seem to be on the immediate horizon. And then I get discouraged yeah. and, and stop or slow down or switch to something else. I like what you said about, I think a really good practice is that for the most part, uh, to be able to look at it and say, I could have done more. Like, um, that's a, probably a really good gauge, especially if you're in an earlier phase of uh, you know, a new growth area, to be able to always say, or almost always say, oh, I I could have jumped higher. I could have ran further. I could have read more. Um, and, and, and what you said, the discipline of saying, but I'm not going to, mm -hmm. um, I think is so much better than, um, I think occasionally there's nothing wrong with saying, I'm going to go out and see how hard I can go, how far I can go, whatever. Um, and maybe to, to get some kind of a baseline, but, but these habits, especially earlier in the game for the first number of months that we're learning something new, to say, I'm having that bar low enough that every time I clear it, I think I could do more. Um, I think that that's a great principle, Jeff, because um, I, I know, you know, over time we come to know ourselves more and more. And I know how much um, pride can, for myself personally, pride can slip in there and think, oh yeah, but, but I, I, I want to do, I want to do, more because I can or, or, or whatever. And just to say, but, but I, I, I won't, I'm not going to right now. And I think what might be helpful for people, and it's been helpful for me is to say, okay, this gets to the incrementalism, but also uh, thinking about the effect that that can have longer term. Like sometimes, so back to the push-up challenge of adding one push-up every other day, all you have to do is do the math a couple months and realize if I just did this, I'd be doing 
X number of push-ups. Mm -hmm. And and you realize like so reading is a great example. I've had conversations with people who aren't readers, um, and say to people like, well, do you think you could read for five minutes, uh, or or an audiobook? And and most people would say, yeah, I think I could. I think I could read for five minutes. And you say, well, then that's what you do. You read for five minutes. Um, and why don't you read for five minutes a day? Sit down, read for five minutes a day for uh, for two weeks. And now what they'll discover, a lot of people will discover is they end up reading a little longer. And that might be an example where when you set the bar that low, um, reading a little longer if you were interested is fine. But you can incorporate this practice of limiting yourself so that when you then you decide to move to 10 minutes a day, for example, um, it will feel like, no, I, I can really do that because I've strengthened. When I was teaching years ago, I used to teach kids how to play guitar. And uh, the first few weeks of guitar lessons, the biggest rule they had to follow, because usually when a kid signs up for guitar lessons, they're very eager to learn how to play guitar. They're excited about it. And so the first rule of my, for my guitar students was this. You are not allowed to practice more than 15 minutes a day. And I'd make them sign a piece of paper that said, I will not practice for more than 15 minutes a day. Now, that sounds funny. People are like, well, why? Wouldn't you want your kid to practice? Well, no. Here's exactly what happens to a kid that practices more than 15 minutes a day. His fingers are so sore by day three that they put down the guitar and won't touch it for about four days until their fingers feel better again and they lose ground on the whole. Mm. So you say to people, this is an example of small habit, short amount of time, until you get the resilience to get to incorporate more. It's better to, to shoot small, but consistent, small, but intentional, mm. and know that that will grow over time. And, and in this running book, actually two running books that I read, they both said the same thing. They actually said, your cardiovascular system It'll, it'll actually catch up pretty quick. You're going to actually grow pretty, oh, an average healthy person. You'll be able to, your heart and your lungs, you'll be able to handle it. What won't handle you pushing yourself too much will be, as you said earlier, Jeff, your knees, your feet, your ligaments, your bones. Mm. That takes a lot of time to grow stronger. And, and so grow it slowly. Hold mm. yourself back. And I think there's uh, some wisdom there around our, our spiritual growth, solitude and silence, reading, um, whatever area of personal learning a language. Um, how do we, uh, yes, there's strong evidence for, for example, language learning that immersive experiences kind of really getting in. Obviously, those are amazing. But in terms of just establishing habits, I think setting smaller amounts and smaller goals, but making sure they're consistently part of your life. Um, I have certain habits now in my life. I mentioned stretching earlier that I actually, there's such a habit now that I actually, I can think something's not right today. What's not mm -hmm. right today? Oh, I haven't done my German lesson or I haven't, I haven't um, read the Bible or I haven't done my stretching. And that's just because they're not big habits. They're just there. And they form a part of my, actually my, almost my psychology, my, my framework for life um, with, with little reminders like my logbook laying open by the phone 
that reminds me as well. But I, I can actually start to feel it physically or emotionally mm-hmm. or spiritually when that certain habit hasn't, ha- I, ha- I haven't incorporated that into my day. Yeah, that's when you know it becomes a habit, right? When it's kind of in your bones. And like yeah. you said, you sense it. You know, there's yeah. immediate feedback when you do it. You're like, yes, this is right. And when yeah. you don't do it, there's this building sense of dis-ease. It's like, oh, this is off. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, I think that's a good place to end it, Tom. I was thinking about like summarizing our chat. And I think a lot of the wisdom that I would extract from this, um, from what you've shared is, kind of allow this time of isolation and this extra space, allow it to expose, however embarrassing or difficult that might be, allow it to expose how you're filling up this time and to be looking for the patterns that if they continue to play out are gonna um, at worst obviously be destructive in your life, Mm -hmm. but maybe at uh, even at best are simply going to keep you in the status quo and are gonna kind of hold you back from growing. So allow that that process to happen, allow yourself to be exposed, allow yourself to be honest with yourself and other people. And then instead of just trying to hammer out a massive list of goals in defiance of that momentum to say, what are habits that I want to begin integrating or that I have, but I need to strengthen them apparently Mm -hmm. given uh, what has come to my attention. And then to make sure that we're um, kind of, building and integrating those habits into our lives in a way that is slow and incremental. Um, as a general rule, like you said, there, there can be an immersive element to some, uh, some of these practices, but as a general rule, and then probably to uh, not try and, we didn't touch about on this too much, but I think it, um, under, you know, it was underscored throughout a lot of our conversation, which is, you know, you're, you're not going to be able to work on 35 habits even at a time. So, you got to kind of a bit, create a bit of a priority list. And maybe that priority is I'm going to really for the next month or two, I'm going to focus on the kind of physical dimension of, of, of my life. I'm going to get, make sure that I get out in nature. Um, or maybe it's going to be prayer and scripture, but mm-hmm. to, to, to just be um, gracious with yourself mm-hmm. and give yourself permission to not try and quote unquote fix or address mm-hmm. um, all the areas of deficiencies, but really hopefully prayerfully, thoughtfully talking with a close friend or a spouse, you know, what are the one or two growth areas that uh, over the next six months, it's probably really wise for me to give particular attention and investment to. Does that sound like sort of a good summary? Yes. And can I just give encouragement there? Like, I think that because we are designed to live in an integrated way, when we make healthy uh, changes, even tiny ones, in some of these um, areas of our life that maybe we're experiencing either a pain point or we identify there's there. When we make a change in in one area, it affects other areas too. Like so, it can really have. I, I've noticed this over now many years. The changes I make in my spiritual habits, like practices of spiritual disciplines or whatever. Um, have a very direct effect on my physical habits and vice versa. So what I've noticed is when I work on one, I will almost always, there will be a bleed over, a positive bleed over mm, yeah, that's good in word. others. And you're I think never that, really gen- yeah. you're never really working on one. You have one area of focus, but the spillover effect touches so many other dimensions of your life in ways that you can't even always appreciate or anticipate until it begins to 
you begin that's to right. feel that change. That's right. That's why I say like even that's why identifying like you said just two maybe three areas what's a tiny habit i'm going to incorporate and how can i grow that habit very gently hmm. and but then how, how do i be consistent a consistency piece i do think is important and i just want to encourage anyone listening like if you'll do that in a couple of areas this is uh, back to the keystone habit idea you just google keystone habit or read charles duhigg's book the power of habit has some just great stuff on that but there are certain things that it have this seem to have a greater net effect and so um if you if you can with a little bit of reflection think what's the one thing if i did it here if i did this it would actually have a greater effect than just that um and 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 we can we can all think of those things but if there's two maybe three areas where we can incorporate or grow a habit um like like all the things we talked about, set the bar fairly low, don't increase it very fast, but be consistent about it. Um, I just want to encourage anyone, like if you every once in a while stretch that out over time, just ask yourself, where where will I be in six months? Or just know that you're, um, the thing uh, I've noticed both in spiritual growth as well as in physical growth um, is that um, the reward is in the action itself too. Like there's, mm -hmm. like, so... I've lost a bunch of weight and I feel better physically than I ever have. Well, that that's its own reward. Like it's not, it's not just that um, I can run a certain amount or do a certain amount of things. It's, I feel better. Like, so it, it actually has its own reward in it, which, which I think um, reinforces the habit, but it, I just, it, it, it's an, it's an expansive reward in the sense that, as um, you know, it's not like after you take, go for a run, you're like, wow, I feel better. It's like you feel better throughout your day doing anything that you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah, you feel sharper, you feel better. And, and I, I want to say that, like, so the, the direct connection, like, I am more disciplined, and I say disciplined, but, you know, more regular, more consistent in my, my, in my spiritual practices when I'm more regular, consistent in my physical practices, yeah. because we're whole people. Mm -hmm. We're never meant to be divided up in little compartments. We're whole people. How our our bodies, our bodies pray as well as our minds and our you know our spirit, as it were. We're, we're whole people, and mm -hmm. so uh, pulling that all together. And so again, just summarizing what you said, I, I totally agree. And I think encouragement for anyone would be two maybe three areas but if just start with two set up some regular habits and and maybe the one piece we haven't talked about here is um for some people not all but for some people having a having a partner in crime uh, can really help you mm -hmm. mentioned running with your wife um having someone a lot of over the last year my physical exercise was with my two teenage sons like so We'll do push-ups and we'll do planks and we'll do we'll just do it in our part of our regular life. Hey, Dad, let's get down and do some push-ups. Oh, okay, let's do some push-ups. And so there's encouragement there. Whereas my my intermittent fasting uh, was my sister-in-law, and it was mainly messaging through through messenger and and uh, just you know seeing the gains and and stuff. So different people, I think, for different things. But uh, enlist some encouragement enlist some and there's that's actually one area where i think there's some tremendous uh facebook groups and stuff um if you don't have someone specifically in your life um there's other people who are like this intermittent fasting site that i'm on through facebook 
they are just incredible encouraging people like mm. they will cheer you on for for anything and 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 so there are great people that you can enlist as an encouragement and a habit and raising your vision and reminding you uh, that can be really encouraging and i think a really important thing for people too but go for it it's awesome yeah that is awesome it's a, encouraging to hear that tom uh before we close things off uh if people are listening to this and they're like hey i really like tom's voice and what do you, you know, in terms of what he's saying and what he's offering, how can people uh, connect with uh, your teaching? And you mentioned a book. How, how do people get a hold of that? Hey, Jeff. Uh, yeah, I'm a regular communicator at our church, Erickson Covenant Church. So I know there's lots of preachers people can listen to, obviously, yourself included in that, Jeff. Um, I regularly put out we put out a podcast as a church which is just my my messages at ericksoncovenant.ca um, currently with what's going on we're actually recording whole services they're about 45 minutes long which includes teaching but also um, some music and, and stuff which which i'm currently leading as well again that's all available at ericksoncovenant.ca i have not been writing very much over the last six eight months but i do have a, a blog that i have regularly posted on in the past which is just my name, TomGreentree.com. And I also wrote a book called Growing Good Influence, which looks at 10 barriers or obstacles that people need to overcome to grow their influence in others' lives. It looks at self-leadership, looks at relational things, um, really trying to understand what is it that prevents us from being a good influence in the lives of those around us, whether it's our kids, whether it's uh, people in our workplace, church, even expanding that out onto the global digital stage, as it were. And so that's called Growing Good Influence, which is available through Amazon. Um, if you just look for Growing Good Influence or go to my blog, you can find it there as well. I'm on Instagram and Twitter as well. I'm not very active on Twitter, but Instagram, I'm pretty active so that you can find me through my blog as well. Awesome. Tom, thanks so much for carving out some time before you go and sing some songs with a goat yeah, that's right. to, to talk with us and share your wisdom. That's really great. It was really encouraging for me to hear <clears throat> from my pastoral perspective. And I'm sure it's going to be really, really helpful and a huge encouragement to anyone listening. So thank you very, very much. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me on, Jeff. And I uh, look forward to uh, the podcast to come. Okay. See you, man.